I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Allison Trent invited me into her world for an afternoon. Trent is executive chef at LA Eatery Isabel. She calls LA home by way of New York uh, and her first home, Australia. Allison's journey to Isabel included stints at French Laundry and Bouchon. She has been at Isabel for three years as of this recording. A few things that make Allison Trent so unique is her attention to detail, a focus on perfection with a strong desire to experiment and create. Two very different concepts constantly battling against each other. Check out the Convo by Design YouTube channel for a video with Allison. You can see her in action as she is as effortless as I have ever seen an artist work. Allison spares nothing in her search for the right ingredients, masterfully prepares uh, and artfully assembles her dishes. Her concern for their appearance, down to the crafted plates they're served on, showed that this is more than just a job to Trent. Allison and I discuss a, a few issues of note. Sustainable farming, foodie culture, love of art, and blending the two in unique food styling and, uh, and paired passions. One thing I think you might also find of interest, if you're in the Los Angeles area and want to eat, chill, or hang at Isabel, they do not make it easy for you to find. Seriously, you will hear Allison and I talk about this, and it really seems like it was done by design. So if you're looking for Isabel, it's located at 945 North Fairfax in West Hollywood. It's a nondescript building with no signage on the southwest corner uh, of Fairfax and Romaine Street. But it's worth finding. Combo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond and has been since episode number one. Snyder Diamond is always first with what's next in the kitchen and bath. That's the philosophy of second generation president Russ Diamond. He travels the world looking for the appliances, fixtures, and finishes for the kitchen and bath that allow designers and architects to create amazing spaces for their clients. Products like those from Mila. I recently toured the Mila showroom and was stunned really by all of the amazing products that Mila has to offer. From coffee machines, to ovens, ranges, hoods, Combus steam ovens, washers, dryers, dishwashers, all made with that Immer Besser philosophy hard-coded into the very DNA of this family-owned and operated company since their founding in 1899. Mila products are made to serve and built to last. They possess the form and function you expect, and they were created with the future in mind. The technology integrated into these appliances remarkable and they were designed to work seamlessly together all to make life that much easier now combine this world-class product with the standard bearer in customer service snyder diamond service is here for you and you have a powerful partnership find out more at any of the three los angeles area snyder diamond showrooms and check out some fantastic limited time offers and promotions from mila while you're there you can also learn more at SnyderDiamond.com. You've been at Isabel for how long? For three years now, I've been the executive chef here. And you were with French Laundry, Bouchon, and where else before that? In Providence. Okay. So, in your time in L.A., first, first question, straight off the bat, we're, we're getting right to it. What kind, of, what kind of food city is L.A.? I think LA food scene has really come a long way in the last decade. Um, I see it as a very multicultural city. 
um, and at this point the food scene is sort of really up and coming and just an influx of new restaurants and concepts opening. Um, so I think it's a very diverse one. What's it like for an executive chef in LA? I, let me back up. This is, this is a, an incredibly competitive city. And when people think of LA, they'll talk about LA as a city, but it's not a city. It's 50 different cities put together, each individual. Silver Lake has their own feel. Downtown LA has their own feel. The South Bay has its own feel. Santa Monica, Malibu, it doesn't matter where you go. You've got your own feel depend on, depending on where you are. So how does, how does one differentiate themselves? I think you're right. I mean, I think LA is just this massive melting pot of lots of different little pockets. So um, I think it's about staying relative um, as a chef. And I mean, I think the only way to do that is continue to be innovative, continue to push yourself, uh, really build a relationship with vendors, farmers, fishermen, um, and really kind of hone in on the craft so that you don't become bored and uh, your food is, is sort of dated at that point. What kind of creative uh, effect do you have on the menu here? So I have full creative control over both this menu and Laurel Hardware as well. Um, and it's been an interesting journey because I used to change the menu every day. I'm just, I'm a bit of a whirlwind in the kitchen. So uh, I would definitely make it really hard on the staff by just wanting to create something new every single day. And I've had to tone that down a little bit and be a bit more structured when it comes to changing the menu and really pre-planning seasons and um, new menu items. Is that, is that you growing as a chef? Yeah, absolutely. That's me getting more organized and um, just being more fair to the, to the people working in the kitchen as well as letting the dining room have the opportunity to really understand what's new and what's coming on the menu and where that produce is coming from or protein. Um, so yeah, no, that's definitely some, some growth that I've had in the last few years. How do you source your product? So I get a lot of my produce from the farmer's market, um, working with local farmers. The reality of the situation is, you know, we don't get everything from the farmer's market. I mean, that would be incredibly expensive for us with the kind of volume that we do. Um, so we do as much as we possibly can to support local people, but um, it's a little combination of, of both things. But at the end of the day, we're looking for just flavors, absolutely, absolutely number one priority. How many, how many covers? So we do around 400 covers um, at both Isabel and Laurel Hardware. So on Saturday nights, we do about 800 people between both restaurants. Um, and it doesn't deviate too much, you know, obviously through the early stage of the week is a little bit more quiet than that, but it's got a nice, a nice dinner vibe in here these days. How has that changed from three years ago? So when we first opened, I actually was not the chef at the time. I came in about six months after the fact. Um, and it was very much like a bar scene. You know, we had these two big, beautiful bars. Um, people were coming here and really partying. And it was, a, it was a packed vibe, but it wasn't necessarily a dinner crowd. And um, the first thing I did when I came in is just completely scratch the menu and start from a blank canvas and build something that uh, slowly built into a really, really strong dinner crowd, um, which is really exciting as a chef. It is exciting. And, you know, again, the, the, the food scene here in L.A. 
is in, and and I, I say here in LA, it, it's no different than if we were talking about Chicago or New York right. or this is a very competitive city. Um, concepts come, concepts go, and it's it's very difficult. What do you think the keys are to making a concept last in a city like this? I think that the food just has to be good. I think it's that simple, you know. I think it can be something really structured, like, okay, I'm just going to do fried chicken, and if you do it really well, you've got lines at the door. Um, a place like Isabel, it doesn't really have a defined cuisine at this point. You know, um, I would struggle to sort of call it fine dining, um, but it is definitely really playful, and, um, you know, we pull from a lot of different cuisines and so forth, so... That gives us a lot of flexibility. Um, and I think really staying on trend with, uh, scratch that, <laughs> I, I hate that word. No, wait a minute. So, so listen though, you bring up a really good point. Yeah. I, I know what you mean and I know why you're apprehensive about it. Because the moment you say the word trend, you start to think, okay, are people gonna think that that's trendy? Yeah, exactly. I think that there's a big difference. You know, what, what I've noticed from restaurants in particular, but also the, the entire creative community as well. Trends are really interesting because after a while, if it's too monotonous, it can become trendy or trends can actually turn to something in and of themselves with a, with a life unto their own if, if you continue to be playful and experimental, no? Yeah, of course. I think that, you know, all these words that are thrown around all the time, like farm to table and sustainability, and I'm absolutely all about that. I mean, that is my direction. That's what keeps me motivated as a chef and having those relationships with those people. Um, but yeah, unless, unless you're really fighting to do it, I think it can be you know, a little bit of bullshit as well, you know, and uh, just really easily thrown around. But, you know, right now I'm working on um, a farm dinner that's coming up at the end of next month that's really trying to save uh, Tehachapi Grain Project and Wiser Farms and doing something that's really exciting with farmers and it's a really symbiotic relationship, so that's cool. When did you know that you wanted to be a chef? To be honest with you, I didn't know until I was 20 years old and I decided I'm going to move to New York and go to culinary school. I didn't have an inkling before then. I mean, I loved food, I loved to eat, um, and I certainly loved to cook before that age, but it was something that just very quickly happened for me that um, it was my mind was made up and I just, as soon as I got in the, into even culinary school, which is obviously very different from the actual industry, uh, I just knew I absolutely loved it. I loved the physicality, I loved the timing of things, I loved the intricate um, building of things with my hands and just the sort of endless creativity that it offers. Where's home? Home is Los Angeles now. Is it? Yeah, it is. I've been here for 13 years, but originally home is uh, Australia. Yeah, but what city? Canberra. Okay. Yeah. And how long were you in New York for? I was in New York for three years. And then... I'm, trying to, I'm trying to imagine what it's like for a 20-year-old to pick up a whole other continent away and move to a city like New York to follow a passion. So my decision to move to New York was like very, very quick to come about and 
I was a fearless 20-year-old. I was wild. I was a real wild child. My parents could not contain me. I moved to Sydney at the age of 17 and, um, and just was really ambitious and, and really honestly fearless. I look back on it too and think like, how in the heck did I make that work? But somehow I did and I'm, I'm really glad that I did, you know. But LA is home. LA is home, yeah. Uh, I saw a video featuring you and your home garden. I think it's really interesting. I, and I have a question. How, multiple part question. How did you set it up? And how would you suggest, and it's, it's interesting too, because here in LA, we do not have huge plots to work with. So you have to be very strategic with your placement um, and the crops that you're doing at any given time. How, how do you set something like that up and how does, how does someone set one up for themselves? So I got really fortunate finding a place in West Hollywood that has some um, outdoor space. And for me, uh, gardening is maybe comes just second to cooking in my, uh, in my passion list. But it is something that requires definitely a lot of dedication, um, like cooking does. And, you know, definitely a lot of planning, you know, you really, I mean, I knew, I knew nothing about gardening before I started doing it. And again, I didn't start until sort of later in life. And um, I just read a lot about it. You know, I went out and bought a lot of good soil. I experimented. I killed a lot of plants. I mean, a lot of plants. There is no such thing as like a born green thumb. You know, you really have to like anything. It's practice and trial and error. And, you know, occasionally you grow some things. What's, what have you found? are the easiest things to grow in this climate. Which, by the way, the climate is changing. I know. I mean, I hate to break it to anybody, but you know, the amount of heat that we have now with the moisture in the air, and it's less than it used to be, and then it's more than it used to be, it's, it's wacky, all kinds of things are going on. How do, that's, it's hard to garden in that kind of environment. It is, and it's, it's definitely a lot trickier through the summer, absolutely, and in, in, in the bugs and so forth that you get as well. Um, but it really requires watering at the right time of day, early in the morning or even late at night, not when it's sort of blasting down with sun. Um, and I feel like tomatoes are doing really well right now. I have some, some beautiful herbs going on everywhere, but I also just love trees. So I have a lot of citrus and um, some, some cool stuff that I've picked up at the farmer's market over the years. Um, finger lime trees, kaffir lime trees, calamansi trees, like all of this sort of really cool stuff that you don't really see everywhere. Yeah, did anything surprise you that you could grow it that you didn't necessarily think you could? Um, no, no, I was, not really. So, and shifting gears a little bit, we were talking a little bit earlier about what it's like in, in the back of the house, you know, and to work nowadays. Um, I find it really interesting, too, to have a woman who is an executive chef at a, at a restaurant like this and before this, French Laundry, Bouchon, um, with the experience that you have. Do you, do you feel that the environment is leveling out as far as opportunities for women in the... It's so funny to say women in the kitchen, but, mm -hmm. but chef is traditionally, you know, for the most part, a, a male-dominated field. Do you feel like it's starting to level out? I feel like we've come a little way in terms of leveling out. Um, 
To a degree. I mean, I think, I think one of the biggest challenges of working in the kitchen for anyone, male or female, is the fact that you work nights every single night, you know? So you really, it sounds sort of cheesy, but you miss out on things like the sunset and having dinner like a normal person. Um, so definitely that work work-to-life balance is extremely hard to find. I think most people know that about being a chef at this point. Um, but I, I feel like I've had great opportunities being a, a female in the kitchen. I, I try not to focus on it, you know, that's all I know. <laughs> so, um, Well, and it's funny because you say that people know what goes on in the kitchen. I think we can thank reality TV right. for, for sharing just how stressful and combative it can be in the back of the house and what what happens in the kitchen it's it is it's an incredibly stressful role it is it is a creative role for sure um if done right nobody really notices the craft behind it it just comes out consistent and perfect every single time right right exactly so that's why i'm fortunate not to have an open kitchen <laughs> oh, that's true. Like if you're on display there, oh my gosh, I, could, I don't know if I could do it. Have you ever done that? No, not really. I mean, for events, but I've never, I've actually never worked in an open kitchen before. Would that hinder you from, from, from wanting to do that? Um, no, I think I would, I think I would make it work, but it would definitely change the way you, you know, you probably interact with, with guests and your, your cooks at the same time. Um, Isabel is a is a really interesting place, and I say that because you drive by on Fairfax, you do not know it's here. Exactly. There's no inclination that it's here. No sign. Mm -mm. People often turn up and are quite agitated by the fact that there's no sign, like genuinely angry. So was that strategic? I mean, it's almost like somebody went out of their way to make sure that nobody knows it's here. Yeah, I think it's part of the allure that it's sort of this tucked away when you really come through that marble corridor and you step into this open sort of urban oasis. That's what uh, that's what really strikes you the first thing you walk in the door. So I think sort of having to seek it out in the first place kind of helps that, that feeling. It's like you accomplished something. Exactly, just, just, just finding it, just finding the place. Uh, it, it's so true. And you mentioned the marble entryway into a beautiful patio. So part of, part of the whole experience is, is the environment, the sights, the smells, the feel when you get there, in addition to the food itself. The environment here is fantastic. It, it was, you know, you, I, the design is incredibly comfortable. It really is a combination of indoor-outdoor use. Two bars separated by an indoor-outdoor patio and then an outdoor patio. They really did design this for comfort. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And when you are putting together the menu, is, is this kind of a source of inspiration? Of course, yeah. I think, you know, it's... You have to look at, A, the demographic, the people kind of coming into the restaurant, the space, the feel. Um, you know, a lot of chefs, they love knives and kitchen toys. Me, I'm obsessed with the other chef accessories, which are ceramics. I'm an amateur ceramic artist myself. And um, 
I absolutely love beautiful plates. And so I really love working with local artists, finding like-minded people um, that are really passionate about what they do, and then kind of incorporating these two things together in, in design, food, art. Um, I think I'm somewhere in between an artist and a craftsman. You know, I think that uh, for me, I, a lot of it, a lot of inspiration does come from visual things. I often let not just the ingredient, but a plate sort of direct me in coming to a creative uh, idea. So, um, yeah. That's really interesting. When did you start working with ceramics? Not long ago, actually. I just picked it up. Anything that I can make with my hands, I'm just all about it. So. Um, I'm actually going to start looking into some glass blowing soon, but uh, I started about three years ago when I started here, and um, I bought myself a wheel. Of course, I don't have a kiln, so that's a little tricky, but I do have a studio where I can go and, and fire some pieces. Um, very much an amateur, but just looking to find some free time in which to get a little bit better at it. <laughs> are, are, you, are you the type of person, are you patient with yourself? Uh, I, in some ways I am, and then other ways I'm, yeah, like an absolute Tasmanian devil. That's got to be really hard as part artisan, part craftsman, where you still want to be experimental, but you want it to be perfect every time. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely a perfectionist, no, no question about that. So I, I, I think that's fascinating. How, how, do you, how do you find ways to be good to yourself knowing that, I mean, Part of being an artisan is experimentation. Experimentation means failure. Of course, you're, yeah. You're going to fail. How, and, and when you do what you do at such a high level, how do you find ways to sort of forgive yourself for failure? Well, I think things start sort of making sense to you. I remember a, a pretty pivotal point in my career working at the French Laundry where, you know, the first year I was there just getting absolutely beaten down by the chefs every day, like, you suck, you can't cook this is wrong. Um, and then I remember a point where I stopped, um, suddenly everything sort of came together and made sense. I guess I stopped being so fearful about failure. Um, and I remember being told, you know, if you're not trying, if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not failing, then you're doing something wrong. And that was absolutely like those three years there were definitely a huge career changer for me because changing the menu every single day meant really putting yourself out there and yeah sometimes you do have failures and sometimes you have great successes but sort of finding a balance and coming coming together and getting better so that you have less failures and more successes um, is, is where we're at now. So it's interesting too. Help me understand something and I don't know if you can so I'm gonna throw it out there. Having done have and had so many different conversations with so many different types of, of creatives. I, I did a ton with musicians. Jazz musicians are so good to each other. I mean, they are genuinely good to each other. It's like, hey, let me help you. Let me show you how to do this. You know, if they, do, if they, if they can't figure it out, it's like, hey, try this. Let's try that. They, they, they nurture. It's a nurturing environment. The kitchen is not a nurturing environment. And it never has. It's cutthroat. Yeah. I mean, it genuinely is. And, and it's, it's a hard environment. It's a Spartan environment. And chefs are so hard on other chefs. You're all creatives. You're all in it together. What, do you know why that is? I think 
in order to succeed in the business, you do have to be incredibly competitive. I mean, that was my that was my tactic going through kitchens and working my way through stations was I want to be better than the guy next to me so that I move through the stations faster. And, you know, the power of kind of making somebody feel inadequate about, you know, their cooking kind of breaks down that like ego thing. So for me, I had to fight really hard and be extremely competitive um, to be able to make it in the kitchens that I worked in. But I feel like chefs are hard on each other because of that reason that they've grown up in that environment where it's necessary. But you know, once you're sort of at a point where you're you're the chef of a restaurant, um, I feel like some of those things do break down and people are becoming more collaborative. And for me, I mean, I love working with other chefs. I love doing dinners where you know I just do one course. Right now, I have um, I work with a, a hotel resort in Costa Rica. And I went out there for 10 days earlier this year, uh, and it's entirely sustainable, absolutely incredible, monkeys everywhere. So, so cool. But worked in the kitchen and did some tasting menus. And so, I mean, obviously, I had an incredible ki uh, experience being in their kitchen, and they also took things away from it as well. So now they're doing the reverse, and they're sending their chef out here to come and work with us for 10 days. So it's, it's a really cool kind of exchange situation where I'm, I'm looking at to see if there's some something that we can do there to make to break down those barriers to make chefs more supportive of each other and um, and collaborate you know it's it's important it is what's what's next for you what would you really like to do Next. And by the way, and by the way, that's not to say that you don't absolutely love what you're doing now. And and maybe this is sort of like the the spot forever. But what I've what I've noticed with with creative types, especially super driven creative types, is that there's always that project that they're going towards. There is there is a specific project I am going for, and um, that is marrying my love of food into with art into one one kind of concept and design so essentially I've been working on a lot of uh, food styling lately and working with artists as I mentioned so basically doing kind of installations that also incorporate food which is really um, kind of an interactive dining experience um, and it's a really different concept I mean I hate the word catering but it would be basically an events company that puts on extravagant installations that are interactive that are theme based um, but incredible to look at as well as to eat so that's that's the direction that is really cool so it's it's a it's a it's a pairing of passions exactly Exactly, and also the ceramics are coming into it, and glasswork, and you know, really using different artists and continuing to support um, people in the industry that are doing the right thing in terms of responsibly sourcing. So, two things. This is really cool. So, what what you're talking about too is, as a chef, you're preparing the food, you're you're becoming a ceramist, you're looking at glass blowing. So, it's it's really taking on all the senses and putting it all together in something, which is very cool. It's really cool, yeah, and also seeing something come all the way to fruition, you know, designing the plate, foraging the food yourself, cooking the food, and then obviously being a part of, of serving that food to somebody else is, is kind of the whole, the whole package. Tell me about sustainability and sustainable sourcing. So, right now, uh, I work with a lot of different companies, but one of my 
one of my good friends uh, is a part of Dr. Dish, which is a company that really connects fishermen to uh, chefs directly. And they used to have it set up where, you know, the fishermen would just kind of hold some stuff up from the sea and they'd be like, okay, you're signed up for this program. We got sea cucumbers. You're going to have to put that on the menu tonight, which is a little bit of a hard sell in West Hollywood. Um, but now they've opened it up and they send out a list of availability and the product is incredible. They're just down, based down here at Cape Seafood. Um, but I work with them a lot and that requires like a lot of work because you know their availability changes all the time. I mean it's much easier to work with like large fish companies that will have the same thing day in and day out but to work with somebody that has issues like the weather and so forth you know like that's uh, that's you know really you have to be very committed to doing it if you if you want to do it kind of on the regular. Yeah it sounds like it. What do you what can you do with a sea cucumber? <laughs> Can you do I mean, anything? Can you do anything with things. that? There are things you can do with a sea cucumber, but uh, I'm not I'm not real privy of what that is. Yeah, no, I've never I've never seen that. <laughs> but they, they exist. I mean, I've seen a sea, sea cucumber. I just don't know what you would do with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds like a really great project, and it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like something that's really rewarding. Very rewarding, and I feel like that's what keeps me kind of current in the industry by building these relationships and seeking out more and more that I can do. And I feel like you have a big responsibility as a chef. And if you're doing kind of high volume, um, you know, you purchasing from the right person is going to greatly impact their business and allow them to keep growing. Um, and I think, you know, this whole movement of farm to table, you know, everyone just assumes that farmers are, you know, doing fine. But I mean, it's so hot right now. I mean, they're struggling and, um, of course, they're down at the farmer's market with a smile on, but their, their issues are a real, a real thing. And unless we kind of, as a culinary community, come together to support them, um, you know, we're going to see more people selling land where they can make great money um, and, and give up their, their lifelong passion. So that's, that's not something that we want as a community, I don't think. Well, no, it's not. And I think also when it comes to, to farming, I think people are starting to realize now that we need another generation of farmers. You know, here in Southern California, you know, water is, is at a premium mm -hmm. and it's not going to get any better. So with, with that comes farming. It, it's, it's not just sourcing products that are, that are being farmed correctly, but it's using technology and, and other ideas to, to, form, to farm smarter as well. And that's not always easy to do as well. Exactly. So the Tehachapi Grain Project, they're all about bringing heritage grains back to California, which in fact have the most incredible flavor because they should be growing here. Um, and they're also drought tolerant and uh, they use a no-till drill to harvest. And, you know, there's something so incredible about, you know, getting these grains and then milling them yourself and then, you know, seeing that going into bread and, and uh it's amazing. The, the flavor is truly so, so much better than your average white bread. And you, and you put that on the, and you have that on the menu here? Yeah, we use it here. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing a farm dinner on September 29th to really promote what they're doing there. And where else can people find the promotions and the special dinners that you have here? On the website? Uh, they can find it on the website, yeah. 
Okay. Allison, thanks for the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in LA, or online at Vendome.com.